I want to as well say welcome and Merry Christmas. Here we are, Christmas Eve, engaging in it, whatever time, whatever way. And as I was preparing for this time, as I have been kind of thinking about, praying about, asking, even just asking God, what do you want to say to us? I had this interesting experience about a month ago. It really wasn't even related to getting ready for this. But sometimes I find something hits me differently outside of just thinking about or studying or reflecting. I had just received a, a package from my sister. Uh, it was stuff that I had growing up, a bunch of those you know, kinds of things you have, papers you've done, drawings you've done, which was a whole other story that's just sad to see. But I also, in it, she had sent me two letters that my dad had written to my mom, both of whom have passed uh, my dad in 2002, my mom more recently in 2017. As I began to read this letter, something impacted me that never had before. Now, I want to say this about it. When I, the letter that my dad had written to my mom was when they were first married. They were a young couple just getting started. He was, uh, had completed medical school and was actually on his way to Newfoundland to prepare to be in the Air Force. And he was writing her a letter. It's Thanksgiving evening. And he wrote her this letter. Which, by the way, I also have realized my dad was a doctor, but I think he had the best penmanship I've ever seen of any doctor. He somehow broke the odds on this one. And I'm reading this, and something's jumping out at me like it never has before. I'm realizing some things. So I'll just show you a few excerpts. He's telling with her how he had this phone call that he had with her. and how it, He says it was $3, but it was worth every precious second to me. Darling, I love you so very much. I'll get you to join me up there, meaning in Canada, if I have to overthrow the government and chain it and take it, claim it for the United States. And then he goes on to speak of some other things. I was just taken by his passion and his love for my mom. And it went on. He actually described, darling, I too thought of our four days together. Some great time they must have had is wonderful. Which, by the way, as a son, as a child, all of us know you kind of throw up in your mouth when you hear this or see it. Yet for some reason, it moved even beyond that for me. He said, you look so good to me and so very beautiful. I'm just not the same when you're not around. It, it, uh, it just grabbed me in a way it hadn't before. And here's the thought I hadn't really considered. I mean, I knew my parents very well. I grew up. They were the ones closest to me. But in that moment, I realized, you know, I don't know how much I knew of who my dad actually was. I knew him as a transaction for what he brought to my life. Could it be that I missed out on really seeing him and knowing him as he is. Now, why that was so impacting, it wasn't even regret. I wasn't sitting there thinking, oh no, I really blew it with my dad. I, you know, I have peace with those things. I love my parents and loved who they were. But what it caused me to start doing was asking a different question, which was this, could it be that I do, that maybe we do the same thing with God? We talk regularly about what he brings to us, about how great he is and how we need him and how awesome that is, what we gain from him. But could it be that I miss out, that we miss out on discovering who he actually is? That's what I want us to look at it this way as we hear a little bit of the story of the birth of Jesus. Just one aspect of scripture to look into and say, could it be that we could know more of who God is rather than just what he does or what it means that he does. Now we're gonna look at Luke's account of the birth of Jesus. Just really a short excerpt, we're gonna walk through some things, but I wanna remind you there are four accounts 
They're called Gospels, four accounts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Matthew, and in that account, at the beginning, it gives a really in-depth genealogy because Matthew, who writes this, wants to be clear. Do you understand that he is from the line of David? He's an Israelite, that there's all these things completed. Mark's letter actually doesn't even get to this story. It just moves into the life and ministry of Jesus. In John's letter, he actually does something unique in that he speaks of it metaphorically. He doesn't speak of the birth. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word created everything around us. And he talks about light and darkness and how the light overcomes it. When Jesus comes, it's this metaphor. But he even goes on to say something else that I think is powerful and profound in this first chapter. He's speaking about Jesus coming, and he says this, no one has ever seen God but the one and only Son, meaning Jesus, who himself is God. Now we're getting into mystical wildness that God is one, and yet he's Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And in the closest relationship with the Father, what did Jesus come to do? To make him known. You know, all the story of history is us breaking relationship with God and his pursuit to be restored and to remind us of who he is, to discover him, to make himself known. Now with that in mind, I wanna look at Luke's account, this one that uniquely speaks, it kind of sets the stage for the coming of Jesus right up to his birth. And I wanna look at it, I'm not gonna go through all the verses, but I want you to hear the little bit of the story in it. Just ask yourself the question, who is God? What does he reveal about himself? And maybe you can think of it this way. Not what does he do, but how does he do it? In case you're not aware, how God does things reveals who he is. It's a crazy piece. We talk regularly, and I've heard this oftentimes, the ends justify the means. As if to say how we get there doesn't matter as long as we get there. Do you know that's not true at all of God? The means are how we discover who he is. And the means are what bring us to the end. How he reveals himself helps us discover who he is. Now with that in mind, I want to show you a few things. I'm going to kind of walk through the story a little bit in brief. So Luke's account begins with a a couple named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, they're an older couple. It tells us that they're barren. They haven't been able to have kids. And it is a deep shame for them In fact, in the ancient world, and particularly in Israel, if you couldn't have kids, you were seen as less than. You were seen as lowly. You just weren't valued highly. Well, this crazy story begins with a couple that seems of no value and no significance. He's spending his time. He's a priest. He goes into the inner area where the Lord is, and God uniquely visits him, which doesn't happen often. He's just going to do his duties there, do some things around and kind of give praise and give sacrifice. And it says this angel visits him and tells him, hey, your wife is gonna have a kid and this kid is gonna be the one that's gonna tell people the Messiah's coming. And lots of great things are gonna happen. Zechariah doesn't buy it. All of a sudden he is mute. He comes out, he can't say anything, but he goes home and sure enough, Elizabeth gets pregnant. Now, what's crazy about this is it's not complete, but something has happened and everybody knows it. In this lowly place, something very holy and sacred has gone on. I want you to keep that in mind because we asked the question, what is God doing and why is he doing it this way? Why does holy meet lowly? Why does this work like this? What's he saying about who he is and about who we are? Now, it continues. 
And then it goes to Mary. Now, Mary is another one that's not seen of great regard, though she is pure in the sense of she's not been with a man. And an angel visits her and says, guess what? You are going to have a child, and it's going to be the Messiah. He's going to change the world. You're going to actually bear the Savior. And she says, how can I do this? I'm a virgin. And the angel tells this wild mystical explanation. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. You're not even know what's happened, and you are going to have a child. And then the, the beautiful angel gives her a sign. Hey, guess what? I want you to know this is true. So go to Elizabeth because she's already six months pregnant. It's going to show you. It's going to remind you what I'm telling you is real. What happens after that is Mary goes to Elizabeth. As she walks in the room and Elizabeth hears her voice, the baby in Elizabeth's womb jumps. It's the first declaration that Messiah is coming. It says the Holy Spirit filled her and the baby and all of them get it. Something's happening. Now, in case you don't know, women have no esteem in the ancient world. They're not even considered to have a reliable statement or testimony. Luke, and this is because God moved this way, has two women to be the first ones to announce the coming of Jesus. Why? You have to ask why. What's God doing and what's the means of this? Why would he do it this way? Why does holy meet lowly? Why is he doing something so sacred with people that seem to have no reputation or pedigree? What is God up to? And then it continues. Mary is so taken by what she says. Mary sings this beautiful song that we have recorded and kept forever. And all it is is her beautifully praising God for the fact that what he's going to do is unbelievable and she can't believe she gets to be part of it. Somehow when holy means lowly, there's this crazy mystical dance that goes on and God is revealing himself in that. Why does holiness meeting lowliness create a unique dance? Now right after this, it tells us that Zechariah's son is born, Zechariah and Elizabeth and because the angel had told him to name him John, Elizabeth actually knows this by then. She announces it. All of his friends say, that's not a family name. Don't do it. Zechariah writes on a tablet. His name is John. His mouth opens, and he can suddenly speak. Now tell me, that is not sacred, meaning just nothing. What? And guess what Zechariah does? He, after the son is born, sings. <laughs> Because man, when holiness meets lowliness, there is this beautiful song. There's a beautiful dance that goes on. God's saying something about who he is, that holiness and lowliness move together beautifully. We know from there that then Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. This is the place they will have this wonderful Savior. And the final characters in all this are shepherds. Now, shepherds have no value in the ancient world by the time Israel is in this century. They had previously, but by now they're viewed very lowly in life. And guess who the angel tells that Messiah's coming? Shepherds. This sacred moment, an angel visits shepherds, tells them the Savior's coming, and then a whole host of them show up and say even better, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth, whom his Savior comes and rests on. Wow. Holiness meets lowliness. And there's a beautiful dance that goes on together. What is God doing? Why is he moving this way? Who is he? What does this tell us about him and about us? The final words to these shepherds are this, and it's the only piece we're going to look at of actual scripture today in its specificity. 
I say this today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Now, each one of these has significance. Messiah and the Lord are connected, but Savior, when, when the angels say this, would have connected two ways. It connects to Israel because they've been told one day Messiah would come and be a Savior, would save them from the oppression and the struggle they're in. But there's another picture of this with this interesting word of Savior. You see, a Savior is one that brought peace, and it would connect very much to, guess what, Roman rule. Augustus, who's reigning at that time, it was said of him that when he was born, it said a Savior was born. That's what they said in the Roman world. There was good news of great joy. A Savior's been born, and he will bring peace to Rome. Now, it's a different kind of peace. Pax Augusta was actually an altar given. Now, what this is telling us is the angels are actually smacking into, okay, they're making the same claim that Augustus made. What does this mean? And it goes on, a Messiah, the Lord. Messiah literally means anointed one, anointed king. So we know here the angels are making a claim. Guess what? Rome claims peace through power. Rome claims peace through domination. Rome claims peace. Guess what? The means don't matter. It's the end. Rome will get it. And the angels say, it's not true. And in case you don't get it completely, look how they finish this. There will be a sign to you. There's going to be something that points to how he's coming. Guess what? You'll find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. In lowliness, in deep lowliness, you're going to find this baby. You want to know who God is? Holiness comes to lowliness. And it changes the world. God moves in a way we cannot understand or explain. And yet I at least hope to make sense of it for you. Why would God do this? What's it say about who he is? And what's it say about who we are to know that he moves this way? And I want to describe it simply this way. Rome offered peace through power and domination. We we need to get where we want to get. By the way, does that sound familiar with how we live today? And the angels say, the Savior's coming in a baby. And the way Jesus comes, not only in vulnerability, but it will lead him to what we call sacrificial love. He will die on every one of our behalf. Humbling himself to lowliness, he dies. In case you wonder why that is, go all the way back to Adam and Eve. They were offered as his, basically his servants to govern the world. And they didn't like the loneliness, and they said, guess what? We'd want our own high point. And pride brought about sin. In case you wonder why God goes in loneliness, all of us fight with pride. All of us fight this internal sin that says, guess what? It's about me. It's for me. I will force my way how I want to be. I want the peace of Rome, not the peace of Jesus. So when you wonder why holiness meets loneliness, it's because God loves you so much and me so much that he goes, I see your brokenness and the way I will beat pride and the way I will beat loftiness is through loneliness. Because holiness and loneliness, man, they dance together. And God didn't forgive you so he could love you. He loves you so much to sacrificially die to forgive you and me. That's where we begin. We can actually know Jesus more through everything God does. 
You see, holiness and lowliness, they dance together. You want to know who God is. You look for places of lowliness and make no mistake, he will show himself. And in case you wonder what I mean by lowliness, it's simply this. Honest humility about our own brokenness and who we are. Pride is not a simple thing. I will tell you this. I know when there's pride in me, it comes two ways. One is I think I'm better than everyone else. And I think what I've done makes me better. That kind of exalting always fights away from holiness and moves away from God. But the other way is I don't think I'm good enough and I either try so hard and keep trying or I just give up. Lowliness says I accept where I am and I need who you are. It's a simple invitation tonight. Do you wanna know Jesus more? I mean, I don't care where you are in this world of relationship with God. Maybe you're at a place where you're going, I don't know who he is, but man, if that's who he is, I'd like to move in that direction. Or I, I'm, I think I know who he is and I just haven't pulled the trigger. Man, we want to help you pull the trigger and move into this relationship. Or maybe you follow him and you've kind of gotten off the track of my own pride and my own way. Or I think I'm better than, or I'm fighting for. Make no mistake when you're there, you miss out on the way of God, holiness and lowliness, dancing together. Wherever it is, we wanna help you move in that direction. And with that in mind, I'm gonna just lead us in a prayer in a minute. And I wanna tell you this in advance because if, whether when we're praying you respond or whether even through the night somewhere you do, we want, you know, we wanna check in with you and know that. And we have a card, a connection card. All you have to do is go to allshores.org connect. And it's just specific to tonight. And it has different responses. Everything from I followed Christ for the first time, I recommitted to I just want to know more. And all we want you to know is we want to be able to engage with you past tonight if you'd like to respond to that. I want to pray with you now. Pray with us that this wouldn't be a teaching or a talk, but it would be a time that God speaks to you and reveals himself. Let me pray now for us. Lord, I ask for each person here today God, that you would show yourself in just their honest humility about who they are and where they are. Lord, I'm asking for those among us that just have a lot of questions, Lord, help them make a step towards you. I wanna know who you are more. And God, I'm hoping that we can be part of that. Whether we are or not, put people in their lives that will be. And if we are, help them even to respond that we can engage. God, I pray for those who tonight are going, you know, I've heard this for a while. I even just sense it's true. Or maybe I am so worn out, I just can't do it on my own. I want to pray for you tonight. And Lord, I'm asking you to help them. And if you're in that place, maybe you just pray this. Lord, I admit to you, man, my lowliness and brokenness. I thank you, God. If this is real, I want to believe it. Show me. Help me to follow you. Help me to follow Jesus. I receive him as Savior and receive the peace he gives and the life he gives. And Lord, I ask you to freshly fill them with your spirit even now. And then finally, Lord, I pray for all of us here who follow you at whatever way we're at, in whatever place. God, I pray we will never tire of getting to know you more, but we would make it our life's ambition to discover more and more and more of who you are. And God, would you bless each one with more and more understanding of your holiness and our lowliness and how you meet those together to transform life and change the world. Lord, I'm asking you to move among us now. In the name and in the power of Jesus, I ask this. Amen.